Greetings. Thanks for checking out the Kingdom Life Community Church podcast. During this COVID-19 pandemic, our services are held on Facebook Live at 10 a.m. on Sundays. Join us there at facebook.com forward slash kingdomlife.global. Now here's the message from our pastor, Steve Harmon. Welcome, everybody. Uh, Glad you could uh, be with us here today. Uh, We're going to get into... uh, our Bible reading and our Bible study today on John chapter 9. So I'll give you a second to get to your uh, Bibles and uh, get there. John chapter 9. Uh, we are going through the Gospel of John. Uh, the Gospel of John uh, is, is, pretty, is pretty intimate, and it also uh, helps us really understand our place and our identity and the purposes of Christ on, on a kind of a, a different type of level. And so uh, we're just kind of, we're going through that. We've been going through that since the beginning of the year. And so if you remember last week, we were in John 8, which we covered uh, uh, the woman caught in the act of adultery and, and went through that a little bit. And so John chapter 9 uh, is going to be healing w- uh, dealing with uh, a blind man and, the he- and his healing. So let's read. We're going to read uh, a little bit here, and then we'll go through this. Uh, just 12 verses. Here we go. And as he was passing by, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples questioned him, Rabbi, who sinned, that this, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus answered. This came about so God's work may, might be displayed in him. We must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After he said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud from saliva, and uh, spread the mud on his eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So he left, and he washed, and he came back seeing. His neighbors, and those who formerly had seen him as a beggar, said, Isn't this the man who sat begging? Some said, He is the one. No others were saying, uh, But he looks like him. He kept saying, I am the one. Therefore they asked him, How were your eyes open? He answered. The man called Jesus made mud, uh, spread it on my eyes and told me to go wash in Siloam. And so when I went and washed, I received my sight. Where is he, they asked. I don't know, he said. It is true that there are the times in the Bible um, when, when Jesus uh, kind of issues uh, warnings, instructions. We talked to, um, or in talking with the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, uh, when she finds out that she's not going to be condemned, he tells her to go and sin no more. There are references in the Bible that there are sometimes sins that have maybe a stricter consequence uh, that something uh, worse could happen. Uh, Jesus would say these words, uh, go and sin no more lest something worse come upon you, right? And so there are times when the sins that we do or you know, we've, we've gone away or we go back into it that, that something worse can come upon. That's not the whole picture, though. That, that, that can happen from time to time. But there's another side of this that, that uh, what Jesus is doing here, uh, people were focused uh, on this blind man and just naturally assumed that be- he was blind because of some sin that he or his parents would could done. And, and so my question, you know, is today and always has been since I've read this, is what can a man do in the womb of his mother to sin to cause him to be blind, right? Because he was blind from birth. And they're asking him, did this man sin? Well, well, what could he have done? There's nothing he could have done to commit sin to be born blind. 
You look at his parents, and so then actually, that, well, maybe, you know, it's his parents. What did they do? Did they commit some hideous crime against the Lord that, that he could, he just caused their son to be blind? Well, uh, Jesus is going to make the case clear and simple that it is not because of this guy who sinned or his parents that has sinned, but that the, the glory of God can be displayed in him. And then he goes on to say that we must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Now, Jesus refers to himself as I am the light of the world. It's one of his I am sub uh, statements, right? And he says that while I am in the world, there is light. There's a night that's coming where nobody can work. But while I'm in the world, uh, we need to do the works of him who sent me. And so they're looking at this guy, and they're naturally thinking because he'd got something bad had happened to him, it was because of some sin that he or his parents had done. And Jesus is saying, no, there are people out there that are waiting for the glory of God to be displayed in them because there are other people doing the work of God who sent them. Now, we know that this is Jesus, and Jesus came to do some, uh, did some pretty awesome things in the Bible. But Jesus also said, go and do likewise. Jesus also sent the 12, and there were people, you know, 3,000 people who got saved in Acts, and there were people that were going out, and you were seeing miracle signs and wonders begin to happen. Uh, miracle signs and wonders uh, have never stopped um, at all. Uh, there have been times when there has uh, a seasons of times, specifically through revival, where there have been maybe greater amounts happening at one place, but they've never ceased through time. And that's a misconception if, if you've listened to preachers who have told you that, that what happened in the first century church was only for the first century church and these things don't happen anymore. That is actually false. Uh, that's actually a false teaching. Good people... Uh, but a false teaching, because the Bible never says that. You have to leapfrog around the Bible, and you have to change words around to make that idea true. And so we never want to do that. We never want to conform the Bible to our way of thinking or experience. The Bible is the thing, and the Spirit of God is the thing that transforms our mind and our experience. We don't conform it to what we think. It conforms us to its way of thinking. And so there are miracle signs and wonders that, that, are, that happen. There are miracle signs and wonders that happen today. We've experienced miracle signs and wonders in our church. We're going to continue to experience miracle signs and wonders uh, in our church and in, in the kingdom of churches, right? And so it is, it is God's will that those things happen. Now, that doesn't mean that every single person gets healed. We understand that. Uh, it doesn't mean that, it doesn't, it doesn't mean every, every single thing. But it means that there are times when you hear the voice of God asking you to do something, asking you to move in a way, and maybe it's praying for somebody, or maybe it's, it's, it's whatever it is, but God is calling. You're at a crutch right there of whether you're going to listen and be obedient or whether you're going to allow fear to dominate your life and never allow you to move in a certain way that God has called you to move. You can be dominated by fear or you can be released in faith. That doesn't mean you're not going to suffer. That doesn't mean you're not going to go through hard times. It doesn't mean we're all going to go through suffering. We're all going to go through hard times. We're dealing with this COVID thing right now. It's not easy. We've had people that are getting seriously sick. There are people that have uh, lives that have been lost because of this. This is not easy. It's not. But the reality is, is those people who are living by faith and not operating in fear 
can and will see certain things happen. And so Jesus is saying, listen, there are works for you to do. There are works for you to do so that the glory of God may be displayed and his name would get glory for it. Listen to what he says. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. Now listen, what he's saying there is not that they were sinlessly perfect. It's just that they haven't done anything that this has happened. It wasn't that the man committed sin. Now he was born in sin. We're all born in sin. And sin comes with a curse. And, and that curse is, is, is all around us. And, but we who are uh, called by Christ are the ones that we don't live in the curse anymore. Watch what, we're hap- watch what happens here. So after he said these things, he spits on the ground and he makes mud from saliva and he spread the mud on his eyes. Stay right there because I'm going to skip ahead for just a second and I want to read you this scripture in, in verse 13. They brought the man who used to be blind to the Pharisees that day. Jesus made mud and opened his eyes. It was the Sabbath. Okay? Now listen. Aren't you getting tired of Jesus upsetting the apple cart? His healings are happening on the Sabbath. Can't he just do it on Friday? Couldn't he just, I mean, you've got six days, Jesus, in which to heal, but you're healing on the Sabbath. Why? Why are you doing these things? Why are you causing us so much consternation? We're trying to obey the law of God and not do anything on the Sabbath, which was a lie. But he's doing these things on the Sabbath. Why? And not only that, but he spits on the ground. Now, here's the thing you need to know, that the Pharisees had, had, had made up a law to, to protect the Sabbath and to, to make it so holy. You, you can't do anything. You're, you're supposed to rest and all these different kinds of things. Although they would make quirky little ways to get around it themselves. You're not supposed to travel more than, I can't remember, maybe it was a fourth of a mile on the Sabbath. But you could go out the day before and you could plant some, put your stuff out there. Uh, and then you could travel on the Sabbath to that place, and then that place would be considered home because your stuff was there, so then you could travel even more on the Sabbath. So they were working the system, and they were trying to make everything just, just so work for them, yet while they were holding people to a different standard, they would have this law that would say, listen, the Sabbath is so holy, you're not even allowed, get this, to spit on the ground, because if you spit on the ground and it disturbs the dust, that constitutes plowing. You get what he's doing? He spits on the ground. And not only does he spit, I mean, I've spit on the ground before. I'm just going to tell you, it's going to take a lot of spit and a lot of kneading to get that into mud. So there's something intentional that Jesus is doing. He's not spitting on the law at all. He's not, listen, the law is, is, is something he loves. He's not spitting on the law. What he's doing is he's, he's spitting on the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Because they're holding people in bondage to things that they're not even doing themselves or working the things around. So he's spitting on the ground. He's making mud. And he's rubbing it in the guy's eyes and then tells him to go and wash and wash it off. There's a second thing that I think Jesus is doing here. He's spitting on the traditions of the Pharisees that have nothing to do with God. The other thing he is doing is, is, is think about this for, for a second. The earth is cursed. From Adam and Eve in the judgments of, of Genesis chapter 3, what do you see happen? 
Cursed is the ground for your sake, right? In toil, you're going you're gonna to work hard. You're going to have the sweat of your brow. It's going to bring up thistles and thorns, and you're going to be fighting day and night to, you know, to, because the ground is cursed because of what you did, right? Let me ask you this question. Before man sinned, what did God make man out of? The dust of the ground. So the ground is, is cursed because of sin. You and I, born in sin, are born in to that generational curse of Adam and Eve. Okay? So this is what I believe as I'm, I'm reading this, I, I see Jesus doing. One, spitting on the tradition of the Pharisees that have nothing to do with God. Two, Making the mud. Redeeming. Redemption. Redemption. Look at what he does. He is saying that I'm above the curse, people. Jesus doesn't operate in the curse. Jesus operates in the blessing of his Father that comes through obedience. And that's why when you accept Jesus, you are, you are not, you are taken to this place of you are being removed from curse and you are being placed in blessing. It's not something you have done yourself. It's something that God has done through his Son, Jesus Christ. And you have received that. So you, this is what I'm saying. You've got to stop acting in your life like you're living under a curse. Because you're not. How many times have you declared Murphy's Law of your life? Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. That's a curse. You don't even think about it, but you speak it over yourself. As a matter of fact, sometimes when you come to do projects, you're just expecting that it's going to cost twice as much and it's going to take twice as long, even though you haven't started it yet, you're proclaiming curse over your life. Some of you are saying these kinds of things over your family. They are never going to change. They've always been that way. They're always going to be that way. They're never going to change. You are proclaiming curses over your family, over your friends, over whatever. This is what James talks about when he talks about the, the tongue. Out of it come blessings and cursings, and it should not be so with the children of God. So your mouth is an indicator of where you're living at, whether you're living and operating in faith and believe that God can, will, and chooses to change people or that nothing's ever going to change and you're going to continue to operate under a curse and the people around you are going to operate under a curse. Some of you need to spit on the ground and make some mud. You look at what's happening here. It, 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 Jesus is, is the redemption See, when, when he comes upon the earth, when he comes into our life, when we have committed ourselves to him, the Bible tells us that we have been transferred. We have been changed from one place to another. We were a creation of God and, at, and an enemy of God, and now we have been placed as a son or a daughter of God. And so now we have to change by the word of God and by the spirit of God. We have to allow that to change us into a new type of thinking. Where am I coming from? Where am I, what am, how am I approaching issues now in my life? Because it shouldn't be the same way as you always have. You shouldn't be happy on Sunday and grumpy on Monday. 
You should be operating in the fullness of who he is. Now listen, I'm not talking about sinless perfection, but I am talking about that we should be walking on that pathway and that pathway of God is blessing and even declaring the works of God and, and, the, 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 and manifesting the life of God during the tough times that we go through. So he spat on the ground and told the guy to go wash. And people were amazed. Hey, wasn't this a guy that was begging? See, we need more people saying that type of stuff. We need more people saying, hey, listen, um, wasn't this guy sick? Wasn't this lady near death? Wasn't, what happened that's different in an instant? Why? Because the church is doing the work that the Father created it to do. Too many of, of, of us, church, are, are sleeping on the sidelines waiting for an uh, eschatology to come save us, meaning the rapture. You're ducking and you're covering and you're trying to grease, slip by and, you know, just trying to make it to the end. And that's not what Jesus called you to do. He didn't call you to, to hide in the cave and, and to bury your head in the sand. This is the greatest moment in time for the church. It always has been. This is the greatest moment when she can rise. And, and, and you remember uh, a, a few months back when we had... Uh, Joe come and, and he, he and, and the, the college groups and, and what were they talking about? They're going after Christ and, and what are they saying? If I die, I die, but I'm pursuing him. We, we need that mantra back in the church where people are more concerned about the gospel, about their Lord and Savior than they are about how they look or they are about the comfort and things around there. Listen, Jesus is calling out to the church today and he's looking for people who are more consumed and concerned with him and the work he's called us to do than any other thing. But we can't do that <coughs> when we've wrapped ourselves up in comfort. He is the comforter. And the reason he is the comforter is because he comforts us as we're moving and going throughout this world declaring the good things of God. So they bring the man to the Pharisees. Listen, if you're moving in the works of God, you're going to be facing a Pharisaical spirit. The Pharisee spirit is, 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 is the enemy. And the reason it's raised up is it's, it's critical of everything you do when you're trying to operate in faith so that it can keep you locked down and shut up. And that's everything the, the Pharisees, and you know, quite honestly, there's Pharisees in every single church. Every single church. There, that Pharisee mindset is, is, is all over. It's like the first step in creating division is becoming critical of people who are being moved by God. Because it's not the way we've always done it. Or maybe you're scared. Some people are, are sitting in churches today and praying to God that nothing changes so that they can remain in their comfort. Did you hear that? Because that type of statement has placed you directly against the Spirit of God. There are people who are, who are trying to make up different types of doctrines and theologies that will keep them safe. thinking they're protected and in their houses and, and shut up and 
hidden away so they don't have to talk to their neighbor about the supposed good news they say they have in their heart. This pharisaical mindset, this critical mindset, this always seeing uh, the worst in everything and, and all these different kinds of things, I'm telling you it's something the church has to be delivered from. And now that word has scared you. Deliverance. Ooh. Man, it's just about being free. It's just about being free. And so you've got a two-prone attack against you. You're in bondage, and bondage has brought fear to keep you walking out of bondage. See, if, if you were Jesus, you'd still be in the tomb. Or you would have never walked to the cross. Or you would have found a different way. It's the same thing today. It's no different. God is calling, God is placing dreams and ideas, but you're quickly dismissing them because it doesn't make sense in your current circumstance. Oh, I'm too busy. I've got too many things going on. And you've been consumed by so many things that do not matter to the heart of God and do not produce any type of change in the kingdom. And I'm telling you, the fear <coughs> that I have in my life and for church people everywhere is that we wake up when we're 80 years old and have done nothing of any lasting impact for the kingdom of God. We just we'll tried to be as safe as we possibly could. No. No. I don't love my life that much to be shackled by fear and bondage. I don't want to love my life that much. I don't want to love myself into a false sense of safety. I want to love him and go wherever he calls me to do. Because I know, I, I was listening to it the other day. I think it first came from uh, Dr. David Jeremiah. He said something to, to this extent, that the man or woman of God is immortal if they are in the will of God. Which means that nobody can take you out until you've accomplished, till Jesus says it. It's if you're operating in his will you're, and doing his work. Nothing's going to happen unless God has, has called you home. And then that's your reward. Tells a man to go wash in the pool. Why? Wash the mud out of your eyes. Why? Because you're no longer going to be defined by <coughs> an earthly curse. You're going to be defined by the blessing of a Messiah who has saved you and has called you for a specific purpose, man. And I know people get tired of hearing that. People get tired of hearing, oh, there's a purpose, there's a will. Man, <coughs> and it's not hard. <coughs> Excuse me. It's not hard to determine the will of God for your life. No, 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 no. That's, that's actually very easy. What's hard is to, do, is to be obedient, which is why people are throwing out so many different type of fleeces when they know that they heard from God, but it's going against their comfort, and so it's fleece after fleece after fleece. Maybe he'll change his mind, and the problem is, is maybe he will, but he's changed his mind because you've remained disobedient. <laughs> See, you were the first choice. Saul was the first choice. Remain disobedient. So I got a man after my own heart. 
What is a man after his own heart? A man that not only says he loved God, but a man that is willing to be obedient to God. And that even when he makes mistakes, he comes back to God and asks him for forgiveness. It's not about perfection. It's about the position of a heart to please a holy and heavenly father. So you're going to get a call from God. Some of you have, and you feel it, and it's stirring, and it's moving, but you've got people close to you saying, I don't think that's right. I don't think that's this. There are more people in the body of Christ that cannot see than there are that can, and that's the problem. Many times we we spend too much time around people who don't see what God has for them and can't see what God has for you, and so you remain in that same position. See, you need to get next to people who can hear and see the things that God has. And I'm, I'm not talking about spooky stuff. They can hear and they can see because people who have heard and have seen but have remained rebellious pretty soon stop hearing and stop seeing until they go back to repentance and do the first works. And see, so you listen, I, I've had it in my life. People who see no earthly good in my life at all And I had to get around some spiritual people who could see that there was something in me that God had placed that they were going to draw out of me or they were going to encourage me to continue to go forward. Unfortunately, in the body, that seems to be too few of many people who are doing that. And I want to encourage you, hear God for yourself. Go back to that place whenever it was when you were so excited and enthusiastic about doing what God had called you to do or knowing that God had loved you, that you were just going to move. You didn't care what it was. You wanted to do it. God, just tell me and I'll go. But somewhere between that call and the releasing is the preparation, and we fell short in the preparation because we listened to the too many people who were speaking doubts, the pharisaical mindset, who were speaking doubts and being critical over our lives. I don't really see that for you. I don't see you have this. I don't see you have that. I don't see blah, blah, blah. Now, there is a time and a place for, for people to, to coach and to speak truth and 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 and. and be honest and developing gifts, but I'm not talking about that because there are not very many people who are actually training people. If you're in a training session with people who are hearing God and you're seeing things moving and they come and tell you, hey, listen, I don't really see this, then you can take that. But if you're around people who are not doing anything and are being critical of everything, then don't receive that. Don't receive it because they're making disciples of you too except it's just a disciple of a Pharisee to play it safe. You don't want to be that kind of disciple. All right, here's the argument, right? <clears throat> how did you, uh, it's the Sabbath, right? How, how are you seeing? How do you receive your sight? Well, he put mud in my eyes. I washed and now I can see. And the Pharisee's like, this man is not from God, for he doesn't keep the Sabbath. But then others are saying, well, how can a sinful man do these great works? See, they were saying he doesn't keep the law of the Sabbath. The problem was, what they really meant is that he wasn't keeping their traditions. There comes a time when you've loved your traditions so much that you think it's God's law and it's not. When you can't function in a church on a Sunday 
or you get uptight and pushed in your seat because they're doing something different that they've never done before and you love your tradition so much that it makes you want to leave, you're the issue. You're the problem. Not them. Uh, they, they just, this is, we've never done it this way before. Right. You haven't. And that's why things are never changing in your church. That's why things are never changing in you because you've loved tradition more than you loved God. And you're so full of anger and bitterness that anybody who tries to move the cheese just a little bit, you want to bring condemnation upon them. Mm. I'm sorry. It feels maybe it's like it's a little rough today. But I got to tell you something that I, the Lord woke me up with the other day. I'm not trying to be mean. I feel that God has placed on my life uh, an anointing to, some people would say, awaken the church. I feel like it's to shake it. So I was uh, relaxing one night. <coughs> this is a few nights ago. I wasn't going to tell you this, but I think uh, maybe God is leading it to this way. And so I, I knew it was God because he, I, I, I wasn't sleeping. I was getting ready to watch television, maybe Magnum P.I., the old ones, although the new ones aren't bad. And all of a sudden, I got this little uh, thing going through my head. <clears throat> I'm going to give it to you because it's a scripture. All right. <clears throat> and I was sitting there, and I was about ready to watch whatever. And all of a sudden, this came into my mind. Jeremiah 1, 17. <clears throat> I was like, okay. And then this phrase, I don't know if I'm going to say it right, but this phrase was, it's like, it's going to change you. Now, at first I thought it meant like I'm going to be like transformed into something. <clears throat> but I don't think that was it. I think what the Lord was saying is like it's going to change a direction for you. A direction that I want you to go into. So let me give you this. I know this was God because I, I don't, the only, I don't memorize Jeremiah. I, Jeremiah is not a book that I have been into for a number of years or anything like that. I'm not doing a study. I know the scriptures that we take out. And just use, you know, I, I have formed you from, I've known you from your womb, all the different kinds of stuff. But this was something different, and this is why I know it's God, and here it is. <clears throat> this is what he said. Now get ready. Stand up and tell them everything that I command you, and do not be intimidated by them, or I will cause you to cower before men. Do you hear that? This is a Holman translation. <clears throat> I'm going to read it to you again. <clears throat> Now get ready, stand up, tell them everything that I command you. Do not be intimidated by them or I will cause you to cower before them. It was like an, an opportunity that, that God was, was giving. And I know exactly what he was saying to me. <clears throat> Some of you are going to say that's not true, but just stop. Here's what the Lord was saying to me, me. You need to stop living by fear and you need to say the things that need to be said. I, yeah, I, I know that's what he was saying to me. You need to stop worrying about what pe how people are going to feel about the words that are going to come out of your mouth. And I, he's not calling me to be abrasive. He's not calling me to be offensive. He's calling me to say, listen, I'm going to put some words in your mouth, but I can only put those words in your mouth if you're going to be true to them. If you're going to say them like I tell you to say them. 
And if you'll do that, I'm going to put those words in your mouth. Now, what he is not saying is how it's going to be. I didn't feel this great anointing come on me that say, now you are going to be lifted and you are going to tower over thousands of people and they will listen to your every word. No, that's what people who are motivated for themselves tend to think. God has called me to do something so that automatically means that I'm going to be successful and thousands of people are going to hang off my every word. That's American Christianity. That's not really true Christianity. Okay? <clears throat> this is all he said. I'm going to put words in your mouth. Stand up. Get ready. I'm going to put words in your mouth. And, and don't be intimidated by them or I'll make you cower before them. Okay? Now, I'm, I, I don't, that's all I've had so far. But I do know that because that has been spoken to me, I'm using my time to get into the word and find out, God, what is it that you're saying or that you desire to put into my spirit? He's going to do that in, in two modes. <clears throat> he's going to do that through the word of God, <clears throat> and he's going to do that through the spirit of God. And the spirit of God may be saying some things, but it's, also, it's always going to take me to the word of God because they're the witness. And then those words are going to come and, and, and I, I believe wholeheartedly are going to first be focused at me before they're released out here. Because the person whom God chooses to speak through is, is, is someone that has been broken. And the brokenness that it comes is not a brokenness of, it's a brokenness that is centered around the sinfulness of your own heart. So whenever God calls you to something, there's going to be a breaking and a crushing of you. <clears throat> and it's not because he enjoys doing that stuff, but he's like, listen, if I'm going to use you, then I, I've got to make sure that I break you of you. <clears throat> so that you'll be my mouthpiece. And that's where the joy of the crushing comes through. Now, we've all experienced it. When at, at, I have this calling, but they weren't willing to be broken of themselves to get to the calling, to get to the work to get to the position. They, and this is, this is your spiritual 40 years in the desert because you don't want to be broken. You don't want to be humbled. So then you're going to be humiliated. I don't want that. I'd rather humble myself before the Lord. Now, <clears throat> so <clears throat> all that to say is that uh, it, it's important that as, as we feel that God is, is, is upon our lives, that we respond to that. And he's teaching me these things. I just turned 49 in April, and I'm learning these things. I look at myself, and I'm like, Steve, you're such a bonehead. You should have you had this at, why didn't you have this at 10? Well, you also can't look back at yourself and criticize. You've just got to go when God calls and do what God says. All right. Looking through here, um, the, the, a lot of this is just <clears throat> the argument that's, that's going to go back and forth, <clears throat> right? Um, peep, some people are going to believe. Some people are going to be in fear to say, like, they're going to get his parents to come in and say, hey, listen, was this guy born blind? And his parents, kind of crafty, knowing that they're, they could be kicked out if they answer, like, hey, listen, he is of age. Ask him. As of whether he was blind, yes, he was. How he can see, I don't know. He can tell you. And then, they, you know, that's pretty smart. <clears throat> Because they know that what this critical spirit is doing is it's going after people. 
And it's going after people who are wanting to testify about the good things that God is doing. You ever face that resistance when you come into a place and you want to testify the goodness of God and all of a sudden there's this awkwardness because people don't want to receive it? (laughs) You might be in the wrong crowd or you might just have to say it anyway. In love, people, all this is covered with love. And don't go in there being all abrasive and, and, and enjoying the fact that you may be offending people because that's not Jesus, that's the devil. Okay, there's a difference. <laughs> when God calls you to speak his truth, you don't want to be abrasive. You just want to be honest. Right, so uh, there's this argument. They, now they're coming to the blind man. And so they're Pharisees. And here, listen to what this blind, this is an amazing thing the, the man told them. <clears throat> He's like, you don't know where he is from, talking about Jesus. Yet he opened my eyes. This is the blind man talking. <coughs> Formerly blind man talking. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but if anybody is God-fearing and does his will, he listens to them. Throughout history, no one has ever heard of somebody opening the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he wouldn't be able to do it. Now, listen. Now you've got this blind man whom they figured had done something wrong and was sinful, which is why he was blind, teaching the Pharisees the truths of God. Yeah, right? This is what I'm talking about. People, they they get all dressed up in their robes to be honored by people, and they get humbled by a, a, a formerly blind beggar who tells them the truth of God. And so what do they do? Because they can't come back at it with truth, they come back at it with lies and intimidation. You were born entirely in sin, they replied, and you're trying to teach us, and they threw him out. threw him out where are you going to go when they throw you out where are you going to go when Jesus heard that the man had been thrown up he found him and asked he's like do you believe in the son of man who is he sir that I may believe in him and Jesus answered you have seen him in fact he is the one speaking with you I believe Lord he said and then he worshipped him and Jesus said I came into this world for judgment in order that those who do not see will see, and that those who do see will become blind. And some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and asked him, we aren't blind too, are we? He's like, if you were blind, Jesus told him, you wouldn't have sin. But now that you say you, we see, your sin remains. He's like, listen, man, you were the people who are saying you're carrying the, the God, that you have God. You're saying that you see, and you're saying that you have a revelation. The problem is, is that revelation has never produced transformation in your life. God, help me. See, the one thing you do is you can't help getting away from Jesus, and you don't want to. You want to get to that point where you can say, oh man, he and me and I and him, and oh, thank you, Jesus. You get around the right kind of people, and then it's they and us. <laughs> Exciting thing about this is that I don't want you to get worried and, and, and focused on what, what is happening in, in the physical world. I, I want you... To, you know, to, to follow the law and what they're asking you to do and all these different kinds of things. But I don't want you to become consumed by it, which is, I think, is what it's trying to do. The byproduct of this is that the enemy is trying to paralyze people in fear. 
And so that can't be the church. We need to be released in faith and love and to say the things now more than ever that God has placed on our heart to say and to do the things now more than ever that God has called us to do. For we are in him. He is in us. Thanks for joining with us today. And if that message touched your heart in some way, please let us know by emailing us at info.kingdomlife@aol.com. You can also find us and reach out to us on Facebook. And we hope that you will join us again for another podcast from Kingdom Life Community Church.